sing some more as we celebrate communion later on, but first we're going to get into the word. And uh, before I do that, I wanted to say we need to be in prayer. Do you have a, do you have a song, Ty? Oh, okay. Okay. You just look like you're, like you're feeling something, and I didn't want to, you know, pass it up. That's all. I'm feeling something. Oh, he's <laughs> <laughs> uh, So we wanted to, uh, just to know, this week is a share for our radio station, Y1025, and I wanted to let you know that at this point so that you could be praying for that and even considering how you might give to it. Uh, Y102.5 is our Christian radio station, you know? Uh, Bill and Cindy Grimiason, uh, they started it, they run it, they, they've given their all to it, um, but it's uh, very much a part of our church family. And so this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, is their first share and you'll be hearing it on the radio. If you listen to the radio, you'll, you've heard it. They've been announcing it and preparing for it. But we really, it's key because obviously it's a nonprofit radio station, and so it needs to be supported. There aren't commercials. It's not permitted in a nonprofit radio station. So it's sponsored by individuals and by businesses and so forth. So uh, that's this week. And we're really praying that God comes through in a big way so that this station can continue to minister. One of the big differences, I know some people, you know, a lot about Caleb that's come into the area, which is awesome. Caleb's a great blessing. But one of the big differences is this, that Caleb is a national deal, and it's kind of generic, and it's vanilla. And they're designed so that any highway you're traveling on in the United States, you push the button, you're going to get the same thing. They're not local. Y1025 is local. We are working with local churches, local ministries. And it's all about serving this region. It's really a part of what God's doing in this region. So supporting Y1025 really does help to support a local ministry, um, which is really exciting. So that's this week. Be praying about that. Last Sunday, we started this series called Christ Collision. And if you did not get one of these, uh, we've made extras. We ran out last week, which is a great problem. So we've got some extras, and they're on the welcome table in the lobby. But what this is, is it's a, we're wanting to set up between now and Thanksgiving as many opportunities as possible for you to encounter Jesus in a life-changing way. And it's not that you can't encounter Jesus after Thanksgiving, right? Don't, don't go there. That's kind of silly. But obviously what we're saying is just as a church, let's agree together that in this season, we are pursuing, we're pursuing a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And so to help set that up, we're studying in the book of Colossians. You might want to look that up right now. I'll be there in a minute in the New Testament. But then also we've written these daily devotionals so that you can take time every day, really as much or as little as you want, honestly, um, but to take a few minutes every day to just sit quiet and get before God and hear his heart and to try to you know, set you up so that you can meet Jesus there in your own living room right, or wherever it is that you're doing this. And then we have weekly life group meeting guides so that our life groups are supporting one another in the process. And then Sunday in the weekend celebrations, Saturday nights. By the way, we do have a Saturday night service in case you didn't know that, 6 p.m. every Saturday if you can't make it Sunday. No, not everybody's a morning person, so Saturday night is great. But um, come Saturday night or Sunday morning, and we're talking through the letter of Colossians. So that's that's this, and just 
encourage you to grab a copy of it. This morning, we're in Colossians chapter 1. We'll start with verse 9. And uh, I want to start with just something sort of fun. I, I got to be honest, it's not super spiritual. But of those of you that are over 30, you'll remember this. If you're under 30, you might wonder where this came from. But uh, this is going to be a good memory for those of us that are over 30. This morning, I declare to you that we are moving up. We're moving up. So can you show us this? Can you hit it? There we go. And crank it loud. Well, we're moving on up. We're moving on up. You know you watched it. Here's my favorite part. Everybody under 30 is going, what's that show? I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah, right. I remember when it was on, okay, just for the record. So, yeah, this morning I declare to you that it's moving day, that God has every intention of moving you up. If you look at the Bible verse that's printed on your outline there in the bulletin, it's exactly that. He's brought us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's move up Sunday. My friends, that's what this morning is. You ready to move? I hope you got your bags packed. So Colossians chapter 1, we'll start with verse 9, and we'll work our way through this. It says this, for this reason, for what reason? Well, that's what we talked about last week. The, the reason being that the whole gospel, remember, half the gospel, the first half of the gospel is you have sinned. Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins that you might be made right with God. That's the first half of the gospel. Awesome. Second half of the gospel is that, is that now you have been brought into a family. There's an inheritance. There's, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been given gifts. There's, there's a life to live. There's an abundant life to live in Christ, right? So the first half is that. Second half is that. The whole gospel produces hope in a person's heart which leads to faith in Christ and love for others. We talked about that last week. The Colossians received that. So for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Stop right there. We ask that God fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Every little piece of understanding, every revelation that you've received, every time you, every time you open the Bible and you get an aha moment, 
That did not come from you. That didn't happen because you're so smart. Although you are smart, I'm not putting you down. It happened because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. It's an act of God in your life to bring understanding. It, it takes the Spirit of God to reveal God to you and me. You follow that? So that's why he said that's the prayer. We're praying that you will, you'll get the whole knowledge of God through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit would give to you so that you would live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Isn't that what we all want? I want to please God. I want my life to bring honor to Jesus. And so how do I do that? Well, I need to know what God wants from me in order that I might give that to him. True? So it follows naturally that once I know the will of God, I would be able to act on that and please him in every way. And then it says, here's some results of that. First, you'll bear fruit in every good work. That's a good thing. Then you'll grow in the knowledge of God. I want to do that. There's more of God to know. I'll be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that I can have great endurance and patience. Right? The, the life isn't easy. It's tough sometimes. It's tough a lot of times. I need endurance. I need patience. So the, my, my growing knowledge of God through the understanding that the Spirit gives leads to endurance and patience giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. God's qualified you to share in this inheritance with his people. Friends, let that sink. God's qualified you to qualify that word, the verb tense of qualified there. It's a one-time deal. It's not an ongoing. It's not a, something that you grow in. It's something that happens. It's a once and done. It's like this. If you've ever traveled to another country and you carry your passport with you and you get off the airplane and you're standing there in the customs and immigration, right? Now, you're not allowed in that country, technically, until you step up to the booth and the guy with the badge and the stamp, he takes a look at your passport and he stamps it. Once he stamps your passport, you now step into that country and you've got access to the whole country. Pick a road, take it. You're now a welcome guest in that country, right? You've been qualified, technically, qualified to become in to come into that country, to explore that country. The country is now open to you. God's done the same thing to you and me spiritually. He's qualified you, stamped your passport as it were. And you're now qualified to be a part of his kingdom. That's pretty awesome. And then he goes on to explain that, takes it a little step further, which I really love. And this is where we're going to park this morning. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There's two concepts there that I'd like to unpack for the rest of our time. The first is redemption, and the second is kingdom. We've got to understand those two if we're really going to grab this. The first is redemption. Let's take that one first, redemption. 
To redeem something means that I draw out the value of that thing. So if I walk down the street here and I find an old soda can on the street, it's just a can. Until I take it to the machine at the store and I redeem it for a nickel. What have I done? I've just turned this can into a nickel. I've redeemed it. But the can was worth a nickel before I did that, correct? But the nickel wasn't realized until it was redeemed. As long as the can sat on the side of the road as garbage, it's garbage. It's litter. The moment I redeemed it, its value became realized. It's now worth, it's, it, it wasn't that it wasn't worth a nickel. It's, it's always been worth a nickel. It's just that the nickel, the value, wasn't realized until it was redeemed. Track with this. This is an awesome concept that waves, that weaves all the way through the whole Bible. You and I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. You can always tell the value of something by the price which people are willing to pay to get it. How much did God pay for you? What was the value that God placed on your life in order to redeem you? It was his own son, Jesus Christ. You are as valuable as Jesus. You are as valuable as Jesus. And that value is in that value is placed actually in every human being. But it only becomes drawn out when that person becomes redeemed. Apart from Christ, you and I are the rusty tin can laying on the side of the street with this incredible value. Just birthed, it, it's in you, right? But that value gets lost. It gets perished right? These are words the Bible uses. Lost, perished, dead, gone, because it's not redeemed. But the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you become redeemed. That value gets drawn out. It's incredible, friends. You have been redeemed. You have the value of Jesus Christ. God says, this is what you're worth to me right here. Thank you, Lord. So now, redeemed people are a part of this kingdom. And God, let's look at the kingdom thing. God says he's brought us out of the kingdom of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. If you just do a little quick comparison on those words, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of the son who loves, it tells you a lot about the two kingdoms, doesn't it? Darkness, cold, it's impersonal kingdom of the sun there's a person there's there's warmth there darkness is is it's lost it's it's deceptive it's i don't it's a uh, you know i to, to be in the dark right means i'm left out it means i'm unaware or i'm deceived into the kingdom of the sun he loves Love implies a, a kingdom where there's relationship and it's intimate and it's good and you're not out in the cold and 
you're not deceived, you're loved. You follow that? Just, just the two terms alone, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of the sun he loves, tells you these are two remarkably different kingdoms. In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. So, because the word kingdom is two words, it's king's domain, put together, kingdom. And the kingdom is where the king rules. It's the sphere in which the king has influence in the kingdom, right? Every kingdom has boundaries, has borders, except these two kingdoms are spiritual kingdoms. And so, a little different in that way, but they have kings. The kingdom of darkness, the king of the kingdom of darkness is who? Yeah. Yeah, say it just like the church lady, Rich. Satan, right? The kingdom of darkness, the king of the kingdom of darkness, Satan. The king of the kingdom of the son he loves is Jesus. Two very different kings. Are they not? Very different kings. Can you ever imagine being loved by Satan? Can you ever imagine an intimate relationship with Satan? A, a personal friendship. We're just buddies, me and the devil. We hang out a lot, right? Can you imagine? N no. Even people who aren't Christians, even, you know, even the worst among us in the world would say, I don't know that I really want to be Satan's buddy. You know what I mean? It's like you just can't picture that. Why? Because that is not the way he operates. It's every man for himself. That's how he rolls. That's how the kingdom of darkness operates. It's dog eat dog. It's everybody for themselves. Satisfy your own urges. Do what you want to do, when you want to do it. Don't, don't let anybody tell you what to do. It's a kingdom of rebellion. It's a kingdom of self. It's what it is, right? You see, you see the evidence of the kingdom of darkness in the world around us, do you not? Because the king always affects the kingdom. So the values of the king influence the values of the kingdom. Well, look at the values of the kingdom of darkness. It's obvious. We see them every day. Every one of us has been burned by them. Every one of us has been stung by it. But look at the values of the kingdom of the son he loves. The values of the kingdom of the son reflect the king found this in my journal. It goes back a few years. But I want to know, have you met my king? Because my king's a good king. Jesus is a good king. <clears throat> Jesus is able. By this, I mean he can do anything, so he's capable. He can be trusted, so he's totally reliable. He exists as a person. So he's knowable. He's always present, so he's completely dependable. He, is, he does great things, which makes him commendable. He is loving, and he's easy to love, so he's quite lovable. He never makes mistakes, so he's infallible. He has never lied, so he's believable. He is infinite, so he is immeasurable. He's determined, so he is unbendable. He is solid, so he is unshakable. And he's all-powerful, so he's unbreakable. Jesus is able. He's more than able. So why do we doubt him? Why do we run from him? Why do we resist him? 
Do you know my king? Have you met my king? He's able. In the kingdom of darkness, man, it's a, it's a hierarchy. And uh, there's, you know, you serve the king in the kingdom of darkness. Oh, he lets you think that you're serving yourself, that you're just doing your own thing, but ultimately you're serving the king. In the kingdom of the son he loves, you know what the king, you know what King Jesus said? No longer do I call you servants. A servant doesn't know his master's business. But everything the Father has told me, I've told you. In the kingdom of the Son he loves, man, the king is completely approachable. Wow, that's another able. I should put that on the list. He's approachable. He shares the kingdom with you. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. One of the big mistakes that Christians often make and one of the biggest reasons why Christians don't enjoy the kingdom is because we've been lied to and to think that the kingdom is somehow future, that when I die and go to heaven, then I'm in the kingdom. Yes, that's the kingdom, but there's kingdom here, friends. When Jesus Christ walked this planet, Jesus never once invited people, never once asked people to invite him into their hearts. You know, you ever, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, did Jesus conclude that with, and now everybody, ask me into your hearts. Come forward, the buses will wait, and I will come into your heart. Jesus didn't do that. It's not to say that that's a bad concept. I love having Jesus in my heart. There's nothing, I don't think, inherently wrong with that concept. But you just need to know, Jesus didn't walk around going, hey, invite me into your heart. What did he do? He said, repent. Because the kingdom of God is near. Repent means change your thinking. The Greek word for repent, metanoia, change the way you think. Because the kingdom of God is here. It's here. How do I enjoy and be a part of the kingdom of God? Change my thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind has to be renewed. Check it out. We all start in the kingdom of darkness. Do you see that in the text? He's brought us from this kingdom and put us into this kingdom. Every one of us is born in the kingdom of darkness. That's where we begin. Nobody starts off in the kingdom of light. We all start off in the kingdom of darkness. I got a lot of years in the kingdom of darkness that have to get undone. There's a lot of lies that I bought into and believed over the decades that I was in that kingdom that have to get reworked, undone. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind as I begin to understand what Jesus has given to me in this kingdom. That verse, Luke 12, 32, I know I say it a lot, but it's just a verse that has so rocked my world. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I feel like I'm the four-year-old who just got handed the keys to the family Mercedes, you know? And I'm like, whoa. I know it's cool, but I don't know what it does, right? I mean, I think, God, would you really give me the keys to this? Because, I mean, I could crash this in a hurry. But you know what? That's the kind of king he is. I love that king. This king goes, yeah, take the keys. 
If you crash it, I get another one. Let's go. Take the keys. That's my king. Love it. Love him. And look at this next concept, and then I'm going to wrap up with this. He's brought us. He's brought, he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the sun he loves. There's a very cool word picture at play in those words. It's the word picture of emancipating a slave. Can you imagine, just try to picture it, and I know it's hard for you and me to do this because to my knowledge, none of us have been slaves before. I mean, I know you work and sometimes you feel like a slave at work, but it's still different. But if you can just try to stretch your imagination a little bit this morning and imagine that you've been a slave for decades, you know, decades. And, and imagine that you were brought as a slave because you were, you were a spoil of war. You were conquered by another nation. And you got conquered, and then you got dragged away from your home into a faraway land, and you were made a slave, right? And now you've been a slave for years, decades. And as a slave, you've got no rights. You've got no freedom. You're, you told the, you're told what to wear. You're told what to do. You're told where to go. You're told what to say. You're a slave. And then one glorious day, you get conquered again. And this happened all the time in the ancient world. There were always societies fighting and vying for power and conquering one another. So now you get conquered again. And now the new king in charge says, we're going to set you free. You're not a slave anymore. You can go back home. Wow. Can you imagine what your life would be like and what that would feel like as you are rescued from this life of slavery and then you're brought into this new place where now you're free and to be brought into it would mean you're handed your emancipation papers your freedom papers and now you're led to the outer border of the property where you were enslaved right and the gates open and now you've got the world in front of you where do you go a little scary, a little frightening. My whole life's in front of me, and now where do I go? But it's wide open. You're free. The temptation in that moment is to go back to slavery because, you know, there's less responsibility there. Here, everything's told. I'm told what to do. Everything's done for me. It's great. There, I actually have, res I mean, I'm free, but I've got responsibility. Friends, that's you. You have been rescued from the dominion of Satan. You've been handed your emancipation papers. You've been qualified to be a part of his kingdom. Qualified and now brought into, delivered into this kingdom of the son he loves. And you're literally standing at the front gates of the old kingdom, staring out at the new kingdom, and it's all in front of you. And Jesus goes, well, now where do you want to go? You're free. You know what a lot of Christians do? They sit down right at the gate. They don't go any further. They stay right there. Because it's kind of close to what I'm comfortable with, but still out of it. 
so I never really engage in the kingdom and the freedom that Jesus died to give me. I think that's why pursuing an encounter with Jesus is so important. Because there's more of Jesus to know than what you know. And he's better than the best thought you have of him. So there's more to know than what you know. There's more to taste than what you've tasted. There's more to experience than what you've experienced. There's more. You know, so why do you, satisf- why do you settle with the front gate when you've got the whole territory in front of you to explore? Go! That's why I'm so, 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 so stuck on, on healing ministry and pursuing power encounters because I believe with all my heart that that's one of the, inher- one of the pieces that we inherit in the kingdom. The Apostle Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. He said it. I didn't say it. All I'm saying is, okay, God, you've given me the whole realm. I'm going to go check it out. I want, I'm going to go check it out. And it might mean I blow it. Probably does mean I blow it a few. It means I crashed the Mercedes a few times, you know? And God goes, hey, I got another one. Here's the keys. Go, right? That's the kind of king we serve. You can't fail. My goodness, that's been taken care of. That's why, that's why I'm so... You know what my king does? My king's heart breaks over, over orphans. It breaks. So my heart breaks over orphans. And I go, well, God, how about I drain my bank account to make that happen? You know? Why not? He's got more. It's the kingdom. It's wide open. You know? I wish so badly, my friend, I wish so badly that I could put words so that I can tell you what I see. I can't do it. I feel inadequate. I see something, my friend. I see it. And it's really good. I don't know how to word it. I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know how to get there. And that's so frustrating. (laughs) But I know that I'm standing at the front gate of the kingdom and it's wide open and I hear my king saying, give it a shot, go for it. I've handed you the keys. You're in the kingdom of the son he loves. You're in the kingdom of light, go for it. And I say, okay, God, I'm in, I'm in. You know what Jesus said? Actually, Jesus made this statement, and then I think I'll close with this. Maybe not. I don't know. To be 100% truthful, I didn't even have a sermon this morning. I just had the text. I'm like, oh, God, you got to do something. So here's, here it is. So John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead because their deeds were evil. Jesus says, this is the verdict. That's important. Jesus has given you the assessment. 
Here's the assessment. Here's the reason why. If you're not experiencing, if you're not going out there and tasting the kingdom of the son he loves, if you feel more like you're attached to the kingdom of darkness than you are to the kingdom of light, Jesus goes, here's the reason why. The verdict is this. You love darkness more than light because your deeds are evil. And see, in the dark, I can hide those deeds. They don't have to be seen. So I can coddle them. The truth is, I love my sin more than I love the kingdom of light. You know, the danger of dark is I don't know what else is in there. You ever been in a dark room? I mean, I can maybe know a couple things, but what else is in that dark room? I don't know. So Jesus goes, here's the verdict. You love your sin more than you love light, which means I love my sin and I'm willing to make the risk, take the risk of what else might be in that dark room because I love this sin so much. That's a problem. Somebody says it this way. You have a problem. Listen to this. You have a problem when the thing you use to fix your problem is your problem. And Jesus goes, here's the verdict. You, you love your problem too much, you know? I find it this way. One of the reasons why we're so uh, resistant to change is because even though I hate this, at least it's what I know. Jesus goes, there's the wide open territory. There's the country. It's yours to explore. The kingdom is yours. Go for it. Yeah, but Jesus, I don't know all that. I mean, I know this. And though I hate it, at least I'm comfortable with it. Shed it today so that you, my friend, can enjoy the kingdom that God has brought you into, so that you can enjoy the kingdom that Jesus died to give you. My prayer is this, Lord, I don't want to waste a single drop of your blood. You died, Jesus. You suffered, Jesus, in order for me to be a part of your kingdom. And I don't want to waste a single bit of what you did for me. I want to squeeze out every drop Jesus. I want to utilize every drop of your spilt blood on my behalf that I would be the man you died for me to be, that I would be the man that you dreamed for me to be, that I would live the life that you died for me to live, Jesus. That's my prayer. And God, I pray that for my friends here this morning, too. I pray, Jesus, that you reveal yourself to them. Even now, we celebrate communion. We open up this communion table, Jesus. I'm not interested in stale crackers and a little bit of juice. But, Lord, I do want desperately to meet you in this place. And, Jesus, I do believe, I do believe that you intended to meet us at the communion table, Jesus. I do believe that, that you've invited us to this table to enjoy fellowship with you, communion with you. And so, Lord, that's what we're coming for today. I'm not coming for the cracker. So, Jesus, please, meet us, I pray, in this place. I ask in your holy name.